I'm Judith and I lead King's Church here with other leaders and along with my husband Richard who's in Wivenshaw preaching preaching on John 1 like I'm going to be doing with you today so I'm actually quite excited I hope you've been um, enjoying reading John um, those of you that have managed to read it but last week, Richard um, kind of set the scene for us. And he was talking about how, um, how um, you know, and he used this analogy of like, you know when you go to the opticians and they put this thing on your head to try and work out what kind of lenses will help you to have a sharp focus. And, um, and so Richard was talking about there's two lenses by which we as a church want to be pursuing in this next season. Can anyone remember what those two lenses were? Discipleship and... Yes! Yay! <laughs> well done. Right, thank you. Yeah, that's no, great. Discipleship and mission. So discipleship is all about following Jesus. And as we follow him, we become more like him. And it's up to us as individuals to decide what does that look like for us to be disciples? What does that look like for us to be part of discipleship? Mission is about being sent into this world like Jesus was sent into this world. And we, you know, we are sent in the same way as him. And we get to decide, okay, Jesus, how do you want me to be involved with your mission? You know, he has chosen every single one of us who have decided to be his children to be part of his mission. And everything that we do in our ordinary life can contribute to the mission of God. So Richard was provoking us to think about where we're at in our discipleship and mission in our own personal lives, to provoke us in our thinking, to be fully focused and clear together as a church so that we can be fulfilling the calling of God on our lives in the places that we live, the places that we serve, the places that God has placed us in, that we as the, the church of Jesus Christ together can be fulfilling the calling that God asks for us to be missional and dis to be disciples. So we're working through John together. Um, and um, there is a PowerPoint. Oh, here we go. And I'm going to start by reading um, John 1, verse 1 to 18. And I'm going to start um, um, reading this passage from John 1. And, it's, um, and, and I'm going to pick out things that, that jumped out at me in terms of discipleship and mission. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. Um, Ian, if you haven't had a chance to read the whole chapter yourself, I would like to encourage you to read this chapter. And maybe you've already read it. Maybe you read it again in the eyes of, uh, in the, with the lenses of discipleship and mission and see what the Holy Spirit says to you through it. So I'm going to read from John 1, verse 1 to 18. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. 
Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me will surpass me, because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, in, and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Wow, that's a powerful passage, isn't it? Now, John, um, the one who wrote this gospel, is not the, is, is, um, is John the disciple. It's not the John that, that we're reading about in this passage. This is John the Baptist. It's two different Johns, so it can be a little bit confusing. But, so when we read this, and, and it's, he's talking about John, he's talking about John the Baptist. So John's gospel starts with this amazing poetic prologue that describes something of who Jesus is. It's this amazing artistry, and when we read it, it's this poem of like, who is this God? This God who was there from when time began. I love how John, he describes Jesus and, and not like, um, you know, when we read the other Gospels, when we look at um, Matthew, we can see how Matthew traces Jesus back to, to Abraham and he uses this um, ancestry line. And then when we look at, um, at Luke, Luke describes Jesus and, and, he, and, he, and he traces him back to, to um, Adam but when we read John's gospel, it's really, really special because he actually traces him back right to the beginning of time. Before any man was made, before anything was created, Jesus was there. John is setting the scene here with this prologue. 
And he's like saying to us, I want you to know who Jesus is. I want you to know where Jesus is from. I want you to know how he relates to God. And as we we read this prologue and as we delve into it and we think about it a bit more, we see how the rest of John's gospel is in light of this. He continues this theme of saying, I want you to know who Jesus is. He wants us to know that Jesus is the one. Jesus is God. Jesus is sent by God. He wants us to know that he's in relationship with God as the son of God. John's gospel is like, I want you to know who Jesus is, that he was there before all things. It's not just this miracle working man walking on earth doing these miracles. He is so much more than that. And yet he is a miracle working man, full of the anointing and the power of God, that everything he did as as a man was in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he wants us to know that. John draws us into this mystery of God. And as you read through the Gospel of John, if, if you let it, it will draw your heart towards God. He will draw you deeper into relationship with this Jesus, Jesus who we are meant to love and adore and worship. John, the disciple who wrote this gospel, his deepest identity was the one Jesus loves. And that wasn't because he thought Jesus didn't love anyone else. It's because of his relationship with Jesus. He had this intimacy with him that he just felt, I'm the one that Jesus loves. And this is for all of us. We are all to have that relationship with Jesus. What would it be like if we walked around saying, I am the one that Jesus loves? What difference would that make to our lives? I'm the one that Jesus loves. You know, so often we think our identity is all wrapped up in the things that that we do and and the things that we're able to achieve. But our deepest need is to be loved. Our deepest identity is to be the one Jesus loves. John writes towards the end of this book in chapter 20. Now, I could wait, because each week we're going to do a chapter of John, and we could wait another 19 weeks to discover this. Um, And in chapter 20, he he says the reason why I wrote this book. Now, I think, actually, it's quite good to start from the beginning knowing the reason why he wrote this book. So John says in John chapter 20, he says that he wrote this book so that you will believe in Jesus. That you will believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That you will believe that Jesus is the one that was sent to save us. Something is supposed to happen when we read John's gospel. We're not supposed to read it and then we become full of this information and history and, and all of that. We're to read it and as we do, we allow ourselves to be drawn into the heart of God. It was written so that, that we will believe in the one that was sent. 
It was written so that we would believe. It was written so that something would happen deep into our hearts. Something has got to happen to our hearts when we read this. This is a challenge for you. Let this provoke you as you're reading it. Ask the Holy Spirit, what is he wanting to do within you? And John starts this book describing to us that Jesus came from eternity into our existence. He describes how um, the very source of life, the one who brought everything into existence, came to be here. He wanted us to see the enormity of that. that. John uses the language um, that he pitched his tent with us. He lived in heaven in perfect union with the Father and the Spirit and he pitched his tent here on earth to camp out with us. And that is in John 1:14. It says here it says the word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. This phrase can be translated from a Greek word skenoo. I asked Josh, was it skenoo? Is that right? my Greek theologian, sken oo, which literally means to pitch a tent. So it says the word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us actually means to pitch a tent. The word skene meaning tent is the very word used in the Old Testament when it refers to, the t- when in the New Testament, when it refers to the tabernacle of God which is what the Israelites used in their early worship. They worshipped in a tent. The glory of God came and dwelled in this tent. We read in Exodus 40 about the glory of God descending. It took residence in the midst of Israel. It could be said that God pitched his tent amongst men. The glory of God is camping out with the Israelites as they were wandering through the wilderness. And as we read this passage and we we see how it says the word became flesh and he made his dwelling amongst us. He's come once again to pitch his tent amongst us. He came from eternity, from this place where it's so in heaven where he is this magnificent God in glory and wonder and majesty. And he decided to come and pitch his tent with us. Now, I don't know what you think about camping, but I'm sure there's lots of mixed feelings in this room about camping. You're giving up your comforts, aren't you? You're going camping, you get your tent out, and you're pumping your air bed up, and, you know, it's like, it's not like being at home. So some some of us, even as human beings, find camping hard. And Jesus went from glory to camp with us. Um, It's not always great camping, especially when the weather's bad and um, it can be very uncomfortable. And if the airbed goes down at night time, that's not great. I I can tell some people have experienced that. And when the temperature drops in the night, You know, and even though you've got a sleeping bag that's probably good enough for the Antarctic, you've still got it zipped up to the ears, and underneath you've got like 10 layers of clothes and hats and gloves. That might be just me, but 
And then you have this camping stove where you, only, you can only put one pan in it. So you end up having all these concoctions because you just have to throw everything in there because you can only cook from one pan and you eat all these weird foods. Now, if you need the loo at night time, it's not the trek across the field that's the problem. Not with me, anyway. The problem is, is unzipping this um, sleeping bag that I've zipped right up to my ear. I'm now trying to get out of this sleeping bag where I've got 10 layers of clothes on and I can't actually move. And then I'm like being as quiet as I can to try not disturb anyone. And, and like, I don't know like, who I'm kidding because the, the tent is made of cloth and everybody can hear everything anyway. And there I am searching for my shoes and I only find one shoe and I'm finding the torch. Where's the torch? Where's my other shoe? And now it's, I'm really desperate for the loo. Now, have you ever been in that situation? That is a problem when you're camping. You know, the creator of heaven and earth did that very same thing with us. He gave up everything to be with us. He gave up his majesty he gave up his glory. He gave up his divinity. He gave up everything to be with us. He became flesh and blood, fragile, dependent, vulnerable. The word became flesh, the infinite word, who is God, who is one with God, becomes one of us. Fragile, vulnerable, human being. He pitched his tent amongst us so that we could know him. I'm glad he didn't turn around and say, I don't do camping. <laughs> he came to guide us towards God, to help us to know God of love, of tenderness and forgiveness. People's understanding of God had grown far from the truth. They didn't even, it was so far from the truth that when he actually came to be amongst the people, they didn't actually recognize him. He was the one that created you. He's the one that gave you life. And they didn't recognize him because in their minds they had a different expectation. In their mind they were looking for something different and they didn't know him. You know he's living amongst us by his spirit. He's living amongst us right now. How, do, how much do we know him? What is it that we're thinking of in our minds when we think of Jesus? Do we know who Jesus is? Do we really, really know him? Would we recognize him? He came to reveal to us who he is by living amongst us. And he continues to do that by his Holy Spirit so we can have a deep relationship with him. The most profound desire of any of us that we all have, whether we are sick or healthy or rich or poor, is for true relationship. True relationship implies helping others to discover who they truly are. I love that. 
true relationship is helping one another to discover who is it that God created us to be? Who is it that, that, that we are meant to be? How are we supposed to live our lives so that we live in fullness? How do we find our place in this world? The aim of this gospel is to, to discover who we are in Christ Jesus. That he came from everlasting to camp out with us in this temporary life so that we can discover that we are beautiful children of God. We, as children of God, are called into relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ to help one another. And as we speak light and life into one another's lives, when we experience life together, we, we learn from each other. We can make mistakes and, and we can know that each other is there to help us, to pick us up and brush the dust off and say, come on, we can do this together. The very essence of discipleship is knowing that, um, that you, who are you following? Do you know him? Do you recognize him? Do you believe in him that he is the eternal God? Do you know that he is interested in how you live? He is interested in the decisions that you make. He's interested if you're struggling or having difficulties. Discipleship um, is... Um, It's so significant for our walk with Jesus. You know, Jesus came so that we could know him because people's minds and their, and their hearts were far from him. They didn't know him. They didn't recognize him. They didn't know who Jesus is. And discipleship for us means following the one that has come to save us and rescue us, following the one that created us, following the one that came from heaven to be with us. And the way we do that is, is by, by helping one another, by teaching one another. And we can look to God, and as we look to Jesus, we, we see this plumb line of, this is Jesus. And as this plumb line becomes clearer in our minds, we're able to line our lives up to that and see where do we need to be transformed. And as we line our lives up to Jesus, we are transformed. And that's what discipleship is. Not only disciples do we help our brothers and sisters to know truly who are they in Christ Jesus. Or we help each other to know who am I in Christ Jesus. But as disciples, we are those that, that help those in our everyday life to discover who is Jesus. As disciples, we, we live our lives wanting people to know who is this Jesus. Our lives display something of God. The light and life that's within us, that come and, and has made his home in our hearts, is with us. And the world needs to see that. The very essence of mission is introducing the world to the one we're following. Inviting others to meet the light and life. The thing about camping is that it's temporary. 
this world in which we live, our lives that, that we are living, the things that, that we're doing in this world, a lot of it is temporary. We're building things and, and some of it's temporary. It's not all forever. And, you know, I don't actually mind going on camping trips. I quite find camp... I actually find camping trips quite exciting and adventurous and... and um, but I'm sure glad when it's time to pack up and go home. Going home to my bed, electricity, my own shower, my sofa. Um, I do like going home. But in camping is temporary. We're not, to men we're not meant to make it permanent. We're supposed to live in such a way that it's not actually forever. We don't start like um, putting extensions on or think, oh, I'll have a conservatory here or, or um, no, I think I might just expand. You know, you don't do that when you're camping. You live like it's temporary, isn't it? You know, our home is not this world. Heaven is our home. You know, someone said this phrase once, and it kind of stuck with me. She said that um, every day before she does anything or, or goes to work, she prays, God, let the things that I do today be part of eternity. Let what I do today contribute to your eternal plans. Now, she was an ordinary person like you and me. With, you know, she had a job and she interacted with people. But she had this, like, this thing in her head that, do you know what, I am here, you know, this, what we're here, why we're living, the things that we're doing is temporary. But God has given me an opportunity to build for eternity. God has placed me here with a mission in mind, and it's to build for eternity. I want what I do in this temporary life to last forever to contribute to the mission of God, to his plans, to his purposes. God sent Jesus into this world to make himself known. He was sent to camp out, live amongst us, so that we can be in relationship with him. We're camping out, and we have an opportunity in this world to, be, to build for eternity, using our gifts and talents, bringing him glory with the, the things that he's given us, the things that he's put within us, that's our strengths. He wants us to make him famous. How are you living your life in the light of eternity? How are you living your life? John 1.16 says this, there was a man and his name was John. He was sent by God to be a witness, to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light. John the Baptist says of Jesus, after me comes one who was before me. He's acknowledging this is an everlasting God that I am here to witness about. We are here to witness about an everlasting God that came from eternity to be with us here. John the Baptist, he, he, he directs people's focus to God. He had followers following him and, and he was preparing their hearts and he was teaching them. And then he said, follow Jesus. This is Jesus. 
John the Baptist's mission was to point people to Jesus, to move people towards Jesus so that they would welcome him into their hearts when they met him. In verse 21, the Jewish leaders sent priests and um, Levites to, to go and question John the Baptist, to ask him, who are you? Are you, are you a prophet? Who are you? And John the Baptist, he he wasn't interested in having his own title or he didn't want to proclaim what his ministry was. But his focus was, I want to point people to Jesus. That is why I am here. He was happy to be a nobody. And yet when we read about John and his birth, it was a supernatural birth, it was a miracle, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit right from the word go. He was an amazing man, but he never wanted to draw attention to that. He was like, focus on Jesus. That is why I am here. This is the mandate for each one of us. We have the same mandate that as we live our lives and the things that we say and the things that we do, we point in to Jesus. This is Jesus. Don't look at me, look at Jesus. If you look at me, look at how I I look to Jesus. Look at how I follow Jesus. And you follow Jesus. You discover him. You have this deep, intimate relationship with him. You discover that you are the one loved by Jesus. I think sometimes the enemy will try to make us feel like that we have to fight for our right to be somebody to have things. We are looking for ways sometimes to be significant. We want our lives to have meaning. The thing is, your life does have meaning. God has given your life a meaning. He has given you a mission. He has made you sons and daughters of the living God. That's our identity. That's our meaning. And we can fall into this trap of, I don't want to be nobody. What would it be like if we were just content in the love of Jesus? What would our lives be like? What would our lives be like if we were content, like John the Baptist, to think, I don't don't mind being a nobody. I don't need people to to tell me how amazing I am, how anointed I am. I don't need that. I just want people to see Jesus. Jesus, the one who loves me. There's this song that um, I love to listen to. um, And it goes something like this. It says, when the enemy says to you, who do you think you are? Tell him that I am a nobody telling everybody about Jesus. You know, if we got these hang-ups about having significance, being something or somebody, you know, the enemy, it doesn't matter what the enemy says to you because my significance is in being a witness of Jesus. My significance is being a disciple of Jesus. What would our lives be like if every day we said to God, let what I do today be part of eternity. 
Let me be part of your plans and purposes, building what you are building. Later in John 1, we see Jesus inviting Philip and Nathaniel to follow him. You know, as you keep on reading through John, open your heart to the invitation from Jesus that says, come deeper into a relationship with me. Open your heart to the invitation from the Holy Spirit that says to you, I want to know you. I want you to be known by me. Come into this relationship with him. As you read John's gospel, let it stir you. Let it change your mindset. Let your heart know who Jesus is. Let your mind say, yes, I know who Jesus is. Because as I'm reading John, it's stirring something up in me. It's changing all these wrong things that I've been thinking about him. And I now can see clearly. I now have a clear focus of who Jesus is. As you read through John, say to the Holy Spirit, speak to me about discipleship. Speak to me about mission. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you what could it look like for you. Could it be simply having, regularly having people round to your house? That's discipleship. Hanging out with people, being an encouragement to people, being a support for people making time for people, letting your lives rub up against the lives of others so that you start sharpening one another. What can you do to help you know Jesus better? Sometimes we can get so hung up on evangelizing that we end up thinking that we're not actually doing anything. You know that when you became a Christian, the spirit of reconciliation came to live in you. You have the spirit of reconciliation, the Holy Spirit that reconciles other people, that, that, that draws other people to God, lives inside of you. So we don't have to get all these hang-ups about evangelizing so much so that, that we get all caught up and we're like, I don't know if I'm even doing it. You know, you're probably witnessing more than you actually realize just by being you, just by being a disciple of Jesus. You know, we can ask the Holy Spirit to, to speak to us, to show us, God, what are you doing? You know, God is already at work in the lives of those people that you work with, in the lives of those people that you live on the same street with. God is already at work. He's at work in your family's life. And you can say to the Holy Spirit, what are you doing? How can I get involved? How can I be part of building for eternity? Who do I need to be praying for? Who do I need to be partnering with you, Holy Spirit? Because you're reaching them. Now, maybe the Holy Spirit will show you people that he's working with. Maybe he'll prompt you about people that you've not even thought about. And he shows someone to you and you think, I'm going to invite them to Alpha. I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to maybe invite them to church. I'm going to maybe just see how they are build a relationship with them. You know, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. 
The Holy Spirit wants to lead you. So we can pray those kind of prayers and expect the Holy Spirit to to reveal himself. Let it be true of all of us that our attention is not on what is temporary, but on what is eternal. As we focus on discipleship and mission in our lives and in the church, maybe we can pray about Maybe we can say this prayer where we say, Lord, let what I do today be part of your eternal plan. Um, That's a great prayer, isn't it? Lord, I want to be part of your eternal plan. Um, I'm just going to pray to end here. Um, And I just want to encourage you to you know, to be really spurred by, you know, the Holy Spirit touching your heart right now. You know, he wants to reveal so much more of himself to you. You are his disciple. He wants to make you more like him. And as we open our heart and our attention towards him, he starts shaping us, he starts cultivating us. Father God, I just want to thank you, God. God of a who's almighty, eternal God who came to camp out with us so that we would know you. So we would know you, God, and be able to follow you and, and just to become more like you. And Lord God, I just pray for each one of us right now in this room that wherever we are at in our journey of, of following you and knowing you, that Lord God, that that this week there will be something that will be deepened within us, Lord. That we will go from this place, Holy Spirit, and something will have shifted. The barriers that are stopping us from having true relationship with you, God, that they will just start falling away right now. Any shame, any guilt, even feelings of insignificance or self-worth, Lord God, I just pray that all those barriers will just strip away right now in the power of your Holy Spirit. And that, Lord God, that we will just know our true identity, that each one of us as individuals is the one that Jesus loves. Let that be our true identity. Let your light and life, your grace and truth Go with us wherever we go, Lord Jesus, so that we can make you famous and make you known. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.